So great to have uh, Logan and Bon Jovi uh, at our worship service today. Awesome. I love the, um, the walkout song that we get to do, and uh, that's because the, the series is called Living on a Prayer, and that's what this is about. It's about living on a prayer, and, uh, and it, it goes beyond that, uh, just the emergency room uh, situation uh, that we find ourselves in. And just kind of give you guys an update, a lot of you guys have been praying for my wrist, and uh, Lord's, you know, it's healing that. I've got great doctors and physical therapy, but I found myself in the emergency room and not that long ago, and I was thinking, wow, um, this is exactly kind of what we're talking about with living on a prayer. And, you know, it's so easy to just focus on when things get bad, we pray. And that's wonderful. That's exactly what we need to be doing. But the problem is, um, sometimes that almost, for a lot of us, becomes the only time or one of the few times that we, that we pray. And prayer is a lifestyle. And, uh, and what, during this series, we talked about uh, several aspects of that. First, in the first week, we talked about the priority of prayer, and we wanted to make sure we drive this point home so much that we uh, provided wristbands. If you did not get a wristband, uh, you can uh, see us at the church, but these wristbands are called Pray First, and uh, it's just a reminder. Just whatever situation that you're in, pray first. When you go into a, uh, driving to school or driving to work um, or going into a meeting, whatever the situation is, pray first before anything. And then week two, we talked about the power of prayer, and we looked at um, a prayer meeting in the book of Acts where people were praying, and those elements of that prayer meeting brought a lot of power uh, to that encounter with, with the Holy Spirit. And so we learned in that meeting that uh, prayers need to be unified. As a church, we need to be unified in our prayers. We also need to include Scripture in our prayers. It just brings more power to that. Uh, the Word of God. And our prayers need to be bold. When's the last time you prayed a bold prayer? Okay, whatever your situation is, you say, okay, God, I can't get through this, so uh, w- this, is what, this is what I need. I need you to be able to help me through this, please. And make that prayer a bold prayer, because what I've learned is this. Uh, God honors uh, bold prayers because bold prayers honor God. God honors bold prayers because bold prayers honor God. God. We three, we introduced the, um, the, the plan of prayer. So we had the, the priority of prayer, the power, then the plan of prayer. And really, we're, we're kind of in here in this plan of prayer for a few weeks. And the, the first plan was really um, the, the Jesus prayer, or otherwise known as the Lord's prayer. And so the Lord's prayer is not just a prayer that Jesus wanted us to memorize and say. I mean, that's fine. That's great. But it's more than a prayer. It's bigger than that. It's actually an outline. And what we did is we took time and we went through the Lord's Prayer and we saw that outline that, um, that we can use in our, um, uh, in our service and, and also in our, in our uh, prayer time. And so when you have a plan, it just helps you to stay more focused on, on what you're trying to do and what you're trying to say and how you interact with God. Last week, our discipleship pastor, Terry Kruger, introduced the prayer of Jabez. And this is another plan and that we can include in our prayer. Because in the prayer of Jabez, we have um, uh, Jabez, and we could do the same thing, praying for blessings, influence, God's uh, presence, and God's protection. So there's our, there are uh, specific points 
an outline that we can use that would help us in our prayers. Because I, I had a lot of people have come to me over the years and say, you know, Pastor Frank, I just, I don't really know the best way to pray. How can you pray? Well, that's why we're spending some time in the plan of prayer, the outline of prayer. So I would encourage you, if you want to go back and listen to those sermons, um, we, uh, two weeks ago, the, uh, the Lord's Prayer, and the last week, uh, the prayer of Jabez, and then you can kind of see that, incorporate that in your prayer life. Now today, we continue in this plan of prayer uh, that we will call the prayer of the sheep. The prayer of the sheep. If the Lord is our shepherd, then that makes us his sheep. Sheep know uh, uh, the voice of the shepherd. And the sheep should also know the names of God. Sheep should also know the names of God. We say, well, Frank, I thought God only had one name, God. Well, actually, he is, um, he's known by several names, but it, it, it's all about, you know, Almighty God. For example, in my life, I, I've, been named, I'm, I've been called many things, some not so great you know, in my life. But some of them I, I use all the time, okay? For example, some of you call me pastor, okay? That is, you're talking to me and I'm the pastor. Thank God, I'm blessed to, do, blessed to be the pastor. But you call me pastor, and that is just another name for me. My kids call me dad. That's another name for me. They're, my kids' best friends call me tank. I don't know where that came from, but I'll run with it. Right, and so and I'll see some kid uh, at the store or whatever, and they'll say, "Hey, what up, Tank?" And I'll be like, "I guess that's one of my kid's friends," you know. Um, we, uh, my wife calls me uh, calls me honey, okay, and uh, maybe some other names that I'm not allowed to say in church. But um, if and if someone cheers, uh, tells me Mr. Bennett, they call me Mr. Bennett. They probably don't know me that well, okay. And, uh, but, so just like I can, and, and like you as well, we can be called certain names that are associated with us. It's the same with God the Father. God the Father has similar names. We will, um, in the prayer of the sheep plan today, we will use the names of God to help us know more of who he is and what he's like. More of who he is and what he's like. Now, why is it important to pray the, uh, the names of God? Because, and this is what I believe, because praying this way focuses our attention on his qualities, his abilities, and his nature. And you're going to understand as we get into this. His qualities, his abilities, and his nature. Because I know this, if we don't watch it in our prayer time, our prayer time is going to be all about us, isn't it? It's all going to be about us and our needs but really, that time of prayer is getting to know your heavenly Father. And so, that's why it's important to do that and to use the names of God. So, what are these names of God? Throughout the Bible, we find eight primary names by which God has been made known to his people. Eight primary names that God has been known to his people. How his people can relate with him. Okay? And they are... And you, we're going to go through these slowly in a few minutes, one by one. But, but all in all, they are uh, Jehovah Ra, which is pastor or shepherd. Jehovah Jireh, which is provider. Jehovah Shalom, which is peace. Jehovah Rapha, which is healer. 
Jehovah Sidkenu, which is our righteousness, and Jehovah Shammah, our companion, and Jehovah Nisi, our defender, and Jehovah Inkadesh, our holiness. So, did you get all those? Did you write those down? Have you memorized those yet? Okay. You know, don't freak out and think, okay, I've got to, I've got to pray those, those names when, when I pray. I mean, you, you definitely can. I encourage you to, to look those up if you can. But we're actually going to take these one by one and understand them. And we're going to have a, a much more easier name for us to memorize that rather than the actual Hebrew name of God. We're just going to focus on the, the, uh, the meaning of those. So how do these names fit in a plan of prayer? How can you incorporate these in a plan for praying? Well, King David shows us this. If you turn to your passage of, uh, in your Bible uh, to Psalm 23, and uh, if you have a digital copy or your written copy of God's Word, we also have it on the screens. For those who are watching online, we'll have it um, on there as well. But this uh, psalm is, is a very, very famous psalm. You, I've preached on it before. In fact, I've done a whole sermon series on this particular psalm. It's a great psalm. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take, um, we're going to look at this psalm and see how David actually uses these names or attributes of God. And he creates a, uh, a prayer, a plan. So let's look at Psalm 23, 1 through 6. And it says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies." You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We just got through singing a song on that. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So the first thing we're assured of, and the first word we can use is my shepherd. If you're taking notes, just write the word shepherd. My shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, which makes it very personal. We can trust that God leads, guards, nourishes, and protects us just like a shepherd would. He leads us, he guards us, he nourishes us, and he protects us. Because a shepherd, sheep need a shepherd. If not, they're going to just fade away. They're just going to die. They can't take care of themselves. We as sheep, for God the Father, we need God the Father. And so the word for this, as we saw earlier, the name, uh, uh, Hebrew name for this is Jehovah Ra, which means pastor. Another word, another word for pastor is shepherd. He is our shepherd, our pastor. Um, Jesus reminds us of this in John 10, 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Why? Because you're in time of prayer. When you pray, the Lord is my shepherd, you're placing yourself under the care by acknowledging and worshiping him. As shepherd, he speaks and you listen. He guides and you follow. He corrects and you obey. He encourages and you rest in his love. That's what a shepherd does. 
And just as a side note, everybody needs a shepherd. Everyone needs a pastor. I'm just heartbroken many times where, I'm, where I meet people and I say, hey, do you go to church? And, no, we, we, don't, we don't attend church. We, I mean, I haven't attended churches, a church in a long time. Or I didn't grow up in church. And my heart breaks with them. Of course, I invite them. I, say, I would love to be your pastor. I, I, would, I would love to, to be your pastor. Would you come visit Lake Point Church? And there's so many people out there that just don't have that pastor, that shepherd. Now, ultimately, Jesus is our, is our pastor, is our, our head pastor and our, our good shepherd, the great shepherd. Okay? But when, when you are in a church setting, it's good to have a pastor and a shepherd. So, um, so we see that in this, in this plan that David wrote, Psalm 23, it starts off with shepherd, Jehovah Ra. The next thing we do, we see, is you not only need a good shepherd to provide for you, but the second name is uh, um, Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. And this connects with I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Why, can't, why don't you need, have a need for anything? Okay, why, why are you um, not in want? It's because you have Jehovah Jireh, that's the Hebrew name for God who provides. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, provider. When you pray this prayer, you have trust and confidence in God to provide for all of your needs. Praying this name may, may sound easy enough until you stop and realize how consistently we try to control circumstances and relationships ourselves. The tendency is to take care of yourself and defend against um, uh, relying on anyone else. So many factors in our culture, we, our culture teaches us and encourages us, us to sort of do things on our own. Okay, you, you could do this. You, could, you, you have the strength for this. Be independent. Be self-sufficient. Be reliant. Strength is equated with needing no one while vulnerability is viewed as weakness. When we pray, I shall not want, we declare that we are putting our trust not in riches but in him who richly provides. We're putting our trust not in the earthly riches but to the one who richly provides for us. So why put your hope in, in the provision when you can put your hope in the provider? We don't need to put our hope in the provision in the provision that we provided for ourselves, sometimes we think that with our job, with our, with our vehicles, with our house, with our relationships, with, with our influence. We don't need to rely on, on those things, on what's provided, on our provision. We need to rely upon our provider. We see this promise in Philippians 4.19. We're, we're connecting Old Testament and New Testament here. In Philippians 4.19, the Apostle Paul says, And my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. This literally reminds us to exercise our trust, not only in prayer, but in giving tithes and offerings. By honoring God with the first fruit of our abundance. And we say to God, God... Thank you for what you provided for me, but um, uh, I, I'm going, it all belongs to you, but I'm going to give you just a, just the first 10% just to show you my trust is in with you. My trust is not in the things that I provide for myself. My, my trust is in Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. So we have my shepherd, 
I shall not want. Let's continue. The psalmist um, continues with, God is our peace. He, and, and David writes this so beautifully and, and poetically. He, he says this, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Doesn't that just sound peaceful? <laughs> right? Wouldn't you like to be just laying down by some still waters right now? Some of y'all are like, yeah, I'd like to have a pole in my hand, you know, fishing. That's fine. Some peaceful about that. Um, and so you and I, we can, we can come before God the Father and, and, and have that peace. God often has to make us lie down because we're so busy and refuse to slow down until we're forced to. You know, not, a few weeks ago, I was in a hurry, doing some stuff, slipped and fell on the floor, found myself laying down. I was like, all right, God, you make me to lie down. <laughs> you make me to lie down. He's like, we're going to slow down. We're going to slow you down just a little bit. We're going to slow you down just a little bit. And guess what? You're going to, you're going to depend on, uh, on other people, and you're going to depend upon me. And uh, so that's what he did, and he's continuing to do that. And so sometimes God would do that. Sometimes God will, will make us to lie down when things are, are crazy. And the, and the Hebrew name for this is Jehovah Shalom. God, our peace. God, our peace. You know, many of us carry around worries, stressors, and anxiety-inducing triggers. Most of them emerge from four main categories. These are what I feel like the four categories of of sort of triggers that happen when, when we're anxious or when uh, we don't have peace. And they are work, money, family, and health. Work, money, family, and health. Those are the areas where, where just anxiety comes often. If we know and trust in the Lord, we do not have to live this way. Our God doesn't, doesn't have peace that just he dispenses to us just when we need it. He is peace. God is a peace. So when you come before God in prayer and you say, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Shalom, God of peace. You don't have to say, God, give me peace. He is peace, right? So when you come before him, you are coming into the presence of Jehovah Shalom, God, who is peace. His name is peace. Jesus told us this in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Isn't that a great scripture? That's one of the last things he told his disciples when he was with them at the uh, Lord's Supper. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. Peace, I live with you. Peace, I'm going to give you. And of course, he would give it later through the power of the Holy Spirit. So, peace, Jehovah, shalom. So we have, um, we have this peace that he makes us lie down in green pastures and to follow our shepherd in the still waters. Now, now why... Does God do that? And what is the result of that? When you sort of are, are made to lie down in green pastures, when you need a moment of peace, when God says, okay, there, there needs to be rest in your life, what is the result of that? Well, we see that in the, in the next phrase in Psalm 23. He restores my soul. 
He restores my soul. This is when healing takes place. This is when healing takes place. When there is restoration. God is our healer. He is our Jehovah Rapha. That's the Hebrew name for God healer. He is our Jehovah Rapha. And this really means to restore by returning to the previous point of departure. To restore by returning to the previous point of departure. Healing happens when our ailments and troubles collide with the God of peace. Think about it. When there is physical sickness, it's because something is not at peace. Right? When you have physical sickness, it's because something is not at peace. And the God of peace, the God of healing, the God of peace, and then he restores our soul. What he does is he brings our body back to where it was. Restoration. Restoration. When there is emotional unrest, it's because something is not at peace. We, 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 if you want healing in your life, you have to approach the peace first. Okay, you following me? Okay? You have to approach peace first. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. Those are all, that's connected. So the peace is a part that helps us get to the place of restoration. If there's financial despair, it's because something is not at peace. Something is not at peace. To provide healing in your finances, a wholeness or restoration in your finances, something's got to go back to where it was. God is the only one who can restore the health of our minds, our hearts, our families, and our finances, and our relationships back to the wholeness that, it, that he intended it to be. This includes physical healing and healing in any other areas in your life. Peter explained this kind of healing and tied it directly to the shepherd. I love this verse. In 1 Peter 2, 24 through 25, he himself bore, he himself, Jesus, bore our sins in the body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live by righteousness. By his wounds, you have been made healed. For you were like sheep gone astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Isn't that amazing? This verse ties in the healing and the peace to us as sheep and the good shepherd. It goes right back to Psalm 23. If you want, if you want healing in your life, if you want restoration in your life, you've got to approach the God of peace who then becomes the God who heals. The God who heals our Jehovah Rapha. I'm a firm believer that this process takes place as, as described in God's word through God's presence in other people. We need to be able to put down our defenses and allow others to know us and see us. Many times, y'all, we like to try to do things on our own. And yet, God can heal. God can provide healing and restoration without the, the body of Christ. But why try to do that on your own when, when there's so much more power, as we saw in, in week two of this series, there's so much power when people come together and they agree on something in the name of Jesus. There's power in that. 
But sometimes we're like, mm, I, don't want, I don't want people to see my junk. I don't want people to, to, to see what I'm going through. I don't want people to, to, to see that. You know, we, we've got to learn to lay down our pride, and we've got to be transparent. The Bible tells us to confess our sins to God as a reminder to rely on His grace. But we're also told to confess our sins to each other. Look at James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be what? Healed. (laughs) The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. There it is right there. Peter tells us. It goes right along with what we're talking about. Confess your sins to whom? To each other. And pray for each other so that you may be healed. So that you may be restored. It's okay to let people in on what's happening in your life, on your junk. It is. As a church, we get the awesome opportunity to to help many people. We're helping some folks right now. And God is slowly but surely bringing healing and wholeness to some of those people we're working with. You know why? They've come to the church. They've called for help, right? They have literally confessed their sins. And I can't forgive their sins. That's, yeah, you know what? I mean, I can't do that. That's unscriptural, okay? But what it does is, is they, they, they admit that, some, that something that they did was wrong. You know, I, I, should have, I really shouldn't have done that. I really should have done this. This got me into this situation. All this kind of stuff. So they come to the church. They confess what they've done wrong. And, um, and then there's, there's some healing as they open up and are transparent about what's going on in their life. I'm going to be honest with you, Pastor. This is what's going on. And it's like a breath of fresh air has come in. They're, they're tearing down the walls, and God is bringing healing through them. So confess your sins to one another, and pray for each other that you may be healed. So God is our shepherd, our provider. God is our peace and our healer. Do you see how we're just going down the line with Psalm 23? But also, he is our righteousness. Look at what it says there. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. The Hebrew name for God in this is Jehovah Sidkenu. Jehovah Sidkenu. God is our righteousness. But he, he makes us righteous through the blood of Jesus. He makes us righteous through the blood of Jesus. Notice in Psalm 23... That as we continue on, righteousness is a path. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Okay, when, when you are saved, some people kind of get, get thrown off in here, new believers. They're, like, they're saved, they're baptized, and they're like, you know, I can feel like something's different, but I still have some, some, some old ways in me. I'm not like super righteous right now, and I'm even tempted to do some things, but, I, I, but Jesus is inside me. The Holy Spirit is inside me. I should be righteous. Nope. Righteous, righteousness is a journey. It says right there, the path of righteousness. Righteousness is a path. 
Just because you accepted Christ as Savior, you don't go, I'm righteous. Look at me, I'm righteous. I'm pure. I'm holy. Now, in the eyes of God, he sees us through the blood of Jesus Christ. When we accept him and invite him to be Lord and Savior of our life, yes. But in our actions, we may be like, man, I'm still stumbling. I still have junk in my life. I'm just, that's why you need to pray with others. And, and understand this. It's a process that's a kind of a big word called sanctification. Okay? Sanctification is the path of righteousness. Okay? And I've shared this before. It's like going out to the gym and working out. When you go work out at the gym, you don't spend a whole day and all of a sudden you're like, boom. You got six packs. You got, you know, biceps and triceps and all the. No. I mean, that'd be awesome. Okay? But it doesn't work like that. It is a path. It is a journey. And it's something you have to continue to do and you'll see results. It's no different than the walk of righteousness. It's a path. He keeps us on the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Righteousness. Jehovah Sidkenu. Our shepherd always leads us in the right direction. Why? Because of how he is or who he is. For his name's sake. As we follow the, the Lord on the path of righteousness, we become more and more like Christ. When we pray to God as our righteousness, we submit our plans in order to follow him all the days of our life. When we follow him, God will deal with our character. God will deal with our flesh, our choices, and yes, even things like our anger. So, have you followed Jesus? Have you chosen the path of righteousness? He is our Jehovah Sidkenu. So many people said that they want God's will in their lives but don't want to follow the path of righteousness. Can I tell you something? You cannot know the will of God without following the path of righteousness. You can't. You cannot know the will of God. You may fall into the Lord's will as he guides you just, you know, accidental, but no, you, you can't know the will of God unless you are on the path of righteousness. You know, those people who feel that way, they tend to forget this, that God aligns before he assigns. God aligns before he assigns. You want to be used by God? You want to be assigned to a great purpose in his life? Then you need to be willing to be on the path of righteousness so God can align you. So God can align you. You know, this, this path of righteousness is like a hiking trail. Um, on a hiking trail, you're, you're very intentional with your steps, right? You, you're, you're on this trail, and, and there's some rocky parts. There's some, there's some tree stumps, you know, and so you're, you're cautious about your steps, what you're doing. You're intentional about that. It's the same way with on the path of righteousness. You're intentional with your steps. You're, on, the, on the hiking trail, you're more watchful of signs that lead you in the right direction. You ever been on a trail and there's like, like blue paint on a, on a tree or, or white paint on a tree? Or, and I, I don't know what those mean. But all I know is and when I see one, I say, okay, that means something. So we got to 
Maybe we got to go this way. Or whatever. But it, it, it keeps your mind, you know, attentive to, to what's going on. You're watchful for a sign. Because guess what? You're in, the, you're in the middle of the woods. And you're watchful for a sign. Now, sometimes there will be an actual sign, and I love those, with an arrow. And you're like, okay, I'm going to watch. I'm going to pay attention to the sign. I'm going to go. It's the same way with on the path of righteousness. You are watching for those signs. On a, on a hiking trail, you carry supplies that normally would not carry throughout your typical day. Okay? So when some of you are going to hike, you carry your stick. You don't carry a stick when you're at Walmart. You carry a stick at Walmart. I'm sorry for those who may need a stick. I'm sorry. But, you know, like a hiking stick. You carry a hiking stick at Walmart, people are going to be looking at you. Like, what are you doing? Okay? okay? Or maybe you carry some water or maybe a backpack, you know, or something like that. You carry some s- sort of supplies that maybe you normally wouldn't carry. Can I say something? When we're on the path of righteousness, this right here is a supply that we need to carry. Maybe a journal. Maybe a, a, a pen or, or maybe a book or devotional. There's lots of things that we can use that on, on our journey. Our church has given you a resource called Right Now Media. If you, have not, if you don't have access to that, you need to let us know. Well, we pay for this for everyone on our church to be able to access Right Now Media, which is video-driven uh, devotionals and, um, and even series that you can watch and grow in your faith. You can watch individually. They have series on marriages, finances. They have series um, on parenting. They have stuff for teenagers, stuff for, student, uh, for kids, all of that. So when you're on a hiking trail, you carry some... Supplies, And I love this. When you're on a hiking trail, you lose service on your devices. The deeper you go in the woods and the higher the elevation. On the path of righteousness, distractions become far less frequent because you just don't care. You don't care what's happening on your phone. You don't care what's happening uh, in your life. You just want to know what God wants, is trying to tell you through his word and through prayer. And so your journey, your path of righteousness, it's just like a hiking trail. It's very similar to a hiking trail. So we, let's continue on. The next one. We are never alone if we walk by faith because God is our constant companion. And we see this. In, these, uh, in this uh, line, and back to uh, Psalm 23. Yea, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Basically, that, that phrase is God is our constant companion. He is with us. He is Jehovah Shammah, which meaning the Lord is there. Isn't that comforting to know? In this world where so many people are, are in isolation, they need to know that God is there. You're not alone. He is our Jehovah Shammah. All of us go through uh, isolation sometimes and, and, and darkness, but we are never alone. God is there in the emergency room, in the courtroom, in the funeral home, in the boardroom, in the grocery store. In the classroom, and yes, even in the quiet living room when you are all alone by yourself. God is there. He is our Jehovah Shammah. He is our constant companion. Constant companion. There were times and seasons in my life where I felt like I was abandoned by people. But God showed 
up as Jehovah Shammah in my life. And he was my constant companion. God is there. Allow him to be here, Jehovah Shammah. So God is our constant companion, which leads naturally to the next name, which is our defender. The next phrase in Psalm 23. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My defender. So what does that mean? Basically, it means that you can relax even in the battle. (laughs) In the middle of the battle. And just so you know, that, that table that he's prepared before you, it's not on the mountainside. It's in the valley where the battle's happening. It's in your darkest, isolated places. Isn't that awesome of God? Isn't that awesome of him? You can trust that the Lord is fighting for you and protecting you. The Hebrew name of this is Jehovah Nisi, meaning he fights our battles. He is our defender. When facing some some issues in the past, especially back in, in uh, 2021, I was, I was walking through a, ba- a, a battle. I was walking through a valley. Well, I appreciate that God was set before me a table before me. Sometimes in my flesh, what I needed was something a little bit more powerful, right? Okay, you're setting a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And maybe I could throw a dinner roll at them, Lord, or something. You ever felt that way? No, but that's not the purpose of the table. You see, while you're focusing on your enemies, God is focusing on you. When God prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies, in the middle of your battle, in the, in the valley, what he's saying is, look, I'm going to sit down with you, okay? And I, I want you to focus, focus on me. I got this battle. I got this battle. You know, God is not there cheering you on to fight your enemies. He wants to fight the enemies. God's not instructing you how to get back at them. In fact, God is trying to get your eyes off of them and focus on him while resting at the table he has prepared for you. Um, One of the best illustrations I can see of this is, is the U.S. military. Do you know right now there are men and women who are defenders who are defending you right now. Today when you go to lunch when you're sitting at the table right? You're sitting at the table there's no, there's no battle. I mean those are kids there might be some battles. I get that. We get it. Those aren't the enemy. <laughs> but when you're sitting at the table for lunch do you know that there's men and women who are defending you right now? defending your freedom, that are protecting you. That's the same as God the Father. When you're sitting at the table, God the Father, in the middle of your battle, he wants to defend you. And then the final name of God emerging in the psalm is our sanctifier. Our sanctifier. And it says this in Psalm 23, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. The literal Hebrew name of this is Jehovah Imkadesh. Jehovah Imkadesh. Meaning God sets you apart for his special purpose. God sets you apart for his special purpose. God has anointed you so that you belong to him for his sacred use. If you, are, if you have accepted Christ as Savior, 
and he has given you more than you need, your cup runs over so that you can minister and give to others. I love this, what it says in 1 Peter 2.9. For you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, he's talking about the bride of Christ, you, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare what the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We are to proclaim and declare the praises of God. You are a chosen people. A royal priesthood, like a holy nation. In Old Testament times, only select few were trained to be anointed as priests in the temple. But after Jesus, who is our ultimate high priest, he came, sacrificed himself for us. We now share in this royal priesthood with Christ. We are bought in, we are adopted in, we are grafted in to Jesus and his kingdom. You are called and you have a holy purpose. God has not only called you to serve him as his anointed, but he has also equipped you with this spirit and unlimited supernatural power. So when you are living this life, you don't have to live this life on your own. He, he enables us. He sanctifies us. He makes us clean, and he enables us, like anointing us, like a, like, like a priest would a king. Anoint us. My head is anointed with oil. And so, when we accept Christ, and he comes into our life, we know that his, that his power rests within us. I love what it says this in Hebrews 13, 20 through 21. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us that is pleasing to him. Through Jesus Christ, to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. The great shepherd brings it back to Psalm 23. Brings us back to Psalm 23. So, when you pray the prayer of the sheep, or Psalm 23, we focus on God and his character, not ourselves. We focus on God and his character, not ourselves. God is not answering our prayers based on, on, what, on what we've done but because of who he is. Because who he is. He is God. He answers prayers based on who he is. And when, he, and when we pray this, the outcome is very clear. As we close out 23. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. So this plan, this sheep prayer, is a plan that we can use. And so I would encourage you to use this week, this week, just open up Psalm 23. Say, the Lord is my shepherd. God, I'm, I'm so glad you're my shepherd. Thank you for guiding me, for leading me, for providing for me. I shall not want. You are my Jehovah Jireh. You provide for everything I need. You make me to lie down in green pastures. Thank you, Lord, for being my peace. Thank you, Lord, for healing me. He restores my soul. Thank you, God, for healing me. 
Lord, these are some areas in my life I need restoration. These are areas in my life some of my friends, my family needs restoration. And Lord, lead me on your path of righteousness. Lord, sanctify me. Lord, help me to, help me to um, walk in your righteousness. Let it be a journey. When I fall on the path, pick me up. Help me to follow in your righteousness. And Lord, when I'm in the valley, I'm not going to fear because you're my constant companion. You're my constant companion. I'm not going to be alone. In fact, you, in the valley, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Not because, not because of anything I've done, but because you want me to focus in on what you have provided. And you are my defender. You are the one that fights our battles. And you are the one who gives me that table. You anoint my head with oil. Lord, you have brought holiness in my life. You have sanctified me. You have called me to a greater purpose. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Lord, as I follow in your path, help me to understand what that purpose is. Help me to understand how I'm supposed to serve you and the kingdom. Because when I serve you, I know that goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. That right there is a plan. It's called the sheep prayer. Why? Because you're praying to the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Lord, you're my shepherd. I shall not want. And so when we pray, and there's different models of prayer. We've already introduced three. We're going to do one more next week. You know what I'm missing? Because um, it's, it's, it's what is called the warrior's prayer. And you don't want to miss that next week. But the, the sheep prayer, I want, you to, I want to encourage you to sit down with Psalm 23 and allow the Holy Spirit just to speak through you as you pray together. Let's, let's pray together. Uh, every head bowed, every eye closed at this time. If you, uh, if you are someone that you just like, you know, Pastor Frank, I, I just... Sometimes I feel alone. I feel isolated. I feel like that no one is just there for me. I need a shepherd. I need this shepherd in my life. And I'm, I'm tired of doing life on my own. And, and I'm ready to invite Jesus into my life. If that is you, you can just simply say this prayer right at your seat or maybe watching online. Say, Jesus, I want you to be my shepherd. Please forgive me my sin. Come into my life. Guide me. Lead me, Jesus. Be Lord of my life. I want to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And if you have any questions on, on how to follow the, uh, the shepherd or just um, some questions about maybe... You know, even if you are a believer, there are seasons when you're in the valley. Don't, don't go in the valley by yourself, okay? Be with others. Be with the church. And, and let's pray together. And let's work through this together, okay? And uh, so, you don't want to miss, again, next week. We close out this series next week and uh, with the Warrior's Prayer. Make sure you invite some friends uh, to, uh, to join you on that. We hope you have a, a very safe rest of your weekend, uh, Labor Day weekend. We love you guys. We'll see you all next week. Thank you so much.